At number 49, I have the SoCon being a 12 seed this year. If you were to ask me, what is my favorite conference in small major basketball? In my opinion, I consider the mid-major leagues, the American, the Mountain West, the Missouri Valley, the West Coast Conference. What's the other one that I'm missing? Oh, and the Atlantic 10. The other 21 remaining conferences I would consider small major. And of those 21, the SoCon is undoubtedly my favorite conference. I went to 13 of their games last year. They play such a fun brand of basketball along with two of their NCAA tournament games. So I guess 15 total when I watch Furman be a Cinderella. Thank goodness I got to see at least one of them. JP Pagese hit the shot of a lifetime and get to play the NCAA runner-ups in San Diego State who they did get blown out by, but what a memory that win over Virginia was. I have up at the top these two teams being in a tier of their own, Furman at number one, just barely edging out Samford, and it was oh so close. In the next tier, I have Western Carolina and UNC Greensboro that will be right on Furman and Samford's tail. Last year, this was a three-tiered conference up at the top. Furman and Sanford went 15 and 3, UNC Greensboro 14 and 4, and the next best team was Western Carolina at 10 and 8. I look Western for Western Carolina to be much closer to those top 3 in the standings this year. Then I see a pretty significant drop off to the 5 to 9 teams. I have Wofford, East Tennessee State, Chattanooga, Mercer in the Citadel, and then VMI in a tier of their own at 10th. Honestly, it will be a disappointment if any of those top four loses to any of those bottom six this season, that's how significant I think the drop-off is for those top four to bottom six. At number one, though, the team that captured America's hearts for a little bit last year, the Furman Paladins, made the big dance for the first time in something like 40 years, dancing like it was 1980. Um, Furman lost their first and second leading scorers, though, Two pro-caliber guys in Mike Bothwell and Jalen Slauson. I watched this team a ton last year. All three of their conference tournament games, twice in the regular season, and twice in the NCAA tournament. And what'd you think all hope is lost losing those two guys? For most programs it would be, but not for Furman. J.P. Pagese, I see taking a massive leap this year, the hero that hit the game winner against Virginia. I have no idea how he averaged 12 points and four boards and four assists a game last year because in the first four games I saw this man play, the least he went for was 22. That was the least he went for in the first four games that I saw him. He absolutely can score, and there were times it seemed like he was simply deferring to the veteran Bothwell and the veteran Slauson that that won't be the case this year. I mean, he could average close to 20 points a game for this team. I truly think that. Marcus Foster is another double-figure scorer back, 10.5 points, Five rebounds. I watched him in that game against Virginia score 14 big points, hit some timely threes for this team to keep them in the game when they were down about 12 with 12 minutes to go. Um, Alex Williams is another guy I look to see take a big leap. Averaged just six points a game last year, but I watched him against Wofford go for about 17 or 18, so he is capable. I think he'll take a jump. 
Inside, Garrett Hine. I can't believe he's listed at 6'9". He looks bigger than that. Averaged eight points, four boards a game last year inside. They bring in a D2 transfer. And other than that, it's just freshmen. But the third to ninth leading scorers in this rotation are all back. Ben Vanderwall's another guy I see making a jump now in his sophomore season, was pretty solid last year and seemed to gain confidence as the year progressed as a true freshman. I've got Furman winning it, but I'm telling you, it's neck and neck between them and Samford. Samford, I watched them lose in heartbreaking fashion, watched them twice in the regular season, watched them beat East Tennessee State by 10 and lose by 14 points to Furman when they had an opportunity to be the outright conference champs and be the one seed in the SOCON conference tournament at the Harris Center. They then, by getting the two seed, had to play Chattanooga. Chattanooga returned their seven-footer, one of the best players in all of mid and small major college basketball, and Jake Stevens, and he was a problem for Sanford, especially when their leading scorer, Quez Glover, just simply couldn't go with a bad hamstring, couldn't go a lot of the year. Averaged 15 points, though, when he was healthy, and that was a step down from his, I want to say, average 19 points a game the year prior. Who'll be gone? Logan Dye who was a physical player, played with his heart on his sleeve. I love to see that. Averaged 13-5. and He'll also be gone. And Bubba Parham averaged nearly 10 points a game, the long-range sniper. They will lose him. Three of their top four leading scorers gone. Granted, their leader, Glover, missed 13 games last season. But their fifth through eighth leading scorers are back, and so is their third leading scorer. And that third leading scorer, Jermaine Marshall, is a dog. Averaged 13 and six and a half last year. They were down 18 at one point in the second half in that game to Chattanooga. And I watched Marshall and Logan die just put their head down and refuse to lose. Yes, inevitably they did, but they came all the way back and took a two point lead with a minute to go. And it was certainly spearheaded by the aggressiveness, the assertiveness of Jermaine Marshall in the way that he plays. With those two other big scorers gone, he could be a guy that flirts for 20 points a night. He has that capability. And then Coach McMillan brought in some really good transfers to go along with A.J. Staten McRae, averaged eight points last year. A core core should step up in production, averaged six points last year. Jaden Campbell, Nathan Johnson, both played about 20 minutes a game. They should see increased usage. But the three transfers, Garrett Hicks, a double-figure scorer, 13 a night, shot at 40% from three, pretty good at turning you over as well out of Alabama A&M. And then Ryland Jones was a role guy at Utah State, four points, three assists a game. And then lastly, I don't know if you've been seeing it on social media, but apparently he's going to do the jump in the opening night against Zach Eady and Purdue. It's Dallas Graziani, the D2 transfer that's supposed to be a terrific passer, averaged seven assists last year in the D2 ranks and over two steals per game. So with the transfers that they brought in, also Zach Loveday, who really didn't get to see the floor at Baylor. With the transfers that they brought in and with Jermaine Marshall, AJ, those guys coming back, I see this team being able to contend with Furman, with Furman having to place a lot of production in Bothwell and Slauson as well. Should be neck and neck between these two at the top. At number three, I have Western Carolina. 
Very successful season last year, pulling themselves out of the bottom of their conference. Justin Grady, an awesome second year. This year, he'll look to even improve on what they did last year. Would have been amazing if they could return Tyshawn Claude, but he decided to transfer. They were supposed to bring each of their top five scorers back. He manned the middle inside for him, averaged 15 and a half, nearly nine rebounds a game last year. But Vontarius Woolbright is as impactful of an all-around player as you'll find a mid and small major college basketball. Average 15 points, seven and a half boards in north of five assists despite being six foot six. Trey Jackson was the leader for this team in scoring though last year. Average 16, shot at 43% from three. They're bringing in a double figure Mercer transfer. Kamar Robertson, familiar with the SOCON, averaged 11 points a game last year, shot at 38% from three. Russell Jones averaged nine points, the five foot eight guard. This is a very tiny backcourt, especially if Robertson's gonna start. It's looking like if he does, they'll be 5'8", 6'0", and 6'1". But we've seen small teams, look at FDU, be able to use that to their advantage. And I think Western Carolina will do the same. I watched this team three times last year, twice in the SOCON tournament. They nearly pulled off a major upset over Furman where they would have been seeing Chattanooga for a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. Lost by three points, though, in overtime. Watched them beat East Tennessee State by 12, and then watched them early in the year lose by 25 to UNC Greensboro. So clearly, that team improved throughout the season. Woolbright went for 30-11-5 in that conference semifinal game against a very good Furman team. Trey Jackson also chipped in 22. Those two guys have no problem putting the ball in the hole. They bring in a guy who didn't see the floor much at, much at Charleston, but should help inside at 6'11 in Charles Lampton. Also add Cornelius Williams, who didn't get to see the floor at LSU, and a Juco transfer. Western Carolina, with returning four of their top five, will be in the hunt. Good to see the turnaround Jason Grady is given that program in Cullowee, North Carolina. UNC Greensboro is who I have at four. Lose their leading scorer, Keontae Kennedy, Keontae Kennedy, excuse me, a guy that could bail them out late in the shot clock, averaged 14 and 6 last year. I watched this team three times in the regular season, all wins against Western Carolina, Mercer, and Wofford. And then I watched them against Wofford and got my heart broken as BJ Mack hit a buzzer beater to end this Greensboro's team's promising season. Mike Jones is a terrific coach. He keeps his staff animated, fired up, bringing energy to the rest of the team. And this was so clearly a united team, an aggressive, assertive team on the defensive end of the floor. The first two times I watched this team play, they gave up a combined 95 points. Neither team scored above 50 the first two times I watched this team play defense, that's where they hang their hat on that side of the floor. The Langley brothers are both back. Keyshawn Langley, average 14, was this team's leading scorer, shot at 42% from three. He's a menace on the defensive end, averaged nearly two steals. His brother, Kobe, 
is arguably an even better defender than Keyshawn is. Kobe, much more of a distributor than a scorer, just a five-point-per-game guy, will need to probably take on a bigger scoring role this year. And then a terrific athlete, Michael Brown-Jones. I watched him every time I saw him. He had a great performance on very little shooting. In fact, in three of the games I watched him, he went for 19-17 and 11-5 on 8-10 from the floor, 5 of 6 from the floor, and 5 of 5 from the floor. This guy doesn't need to take a lot of shot attempts to be productive. He is a lob threat. There's no doubt about it. Threw home some thunderous dunks last year, and he can also be a shot blocker on occasion as well, or at minimum, deter the shot. He should play bigger minutes, just played 21 minutes a game last year. They bring back some minimal playing role guys. They're 7th to 10th men, but lose Deontay Tracy, lose their two inside big men, and Boss Lida and Mo inside as well. Mo averaged 7-7 seven and seven for him. But bring in some transfers. Tim Caesar out of Utah Valley. They won the regular season in the WAC. Averaged 4-3 and three last year at six foot nine, And then a Juco transfer as well. Losing four of their top six leading scorers and not bringing in the transfers that Sanford did or not having the continuity that Furman does. I see there being a bit of a drop-off for UNC Greensboro, and I have them in this second tier with Western Carolina. Going to be quicker with these 5-10 to teams, as I don't think they'll have a chance to contend. Dwight Perry, now in his first full year, got the job after some turmoil within the team a season ago. We're in the middle of the year in the non-conference. They got their coach fired, and the assistant got promoted. Apparently, that was what the team wanted But it didn't mean that guys didn't transfer out of the program. This team could have returned each of their seven leading scorers. But their three leading scorers, B.J. Mack, Jackson Pavaleski, and Messiah Jones, all opted to transfer. Pavaleski's the biggest loss. I mean, two of those guys went to the Power Six ranks in Pavaleski and Mack. But wow, was Jackson Pavaleski special for a true freshman just So assertive for a guy that's so slender. He was unbelievable about getting into the paint, getting into the teeth of the defense, neither scoring himself or drawing defenders to kick out to the open player. They'll be without that luxury and just bring back their fourth to seven leading scorers. Corey Tripp was the biggest leader at nine points per game, but no one else on this team averaged more than seven points per game last year. They bring in a role guy out of Northeastern and a D2 transfer from Northeastern State that averaged 15-5 and in Dylan Bailey. But losing their three leading scorers, I still have Wofford here at five because I don't have faith in any of these other teams. But there's a significant drop-off between them and UNC Greensboro at four. East Tennessee State I have at six. They will have a new coach, Brooks Savage, who is an assistant under Steve Forbes. Steve Forbes, I mean, it's a shame that we didn't get a 2020 NCAA tournament because East Tennessee State was a 30-win basketball team that didn't get to go to the big dance. Desmond Oliver let go after two seasons, and they hope Savage can have similar success to what Steve Forbes experienced. It's going to be an uphill battle in year one, though as they lose six of their eight leading scorers. Justice Smith and Jaden Seymour are the only decent contributors coming back. Seymour averaged nine and seven and a half, may have to lead the way for this team. 
They add a couple seven-point-per-game guys at their previous mid-majors and Jaden Parker out of North Florida, Ebby Asamoah out of Delaware, uh, DJ Hughes saw about nine minutes a game in the Big East last year at Butler, Tyler Rice averaged four points a game, a role guy last year at William & Mary, but no real proven scores are on this roster and someone's going to have to be for the East Tennessee State team to have success. Got to see them twice last year. Both times they failed to score over 60 points. Hopefully Brooks Savage can fix that. Chattanooga, I have at seven. They lose six of their top seven leading scorers. This was an interesting team last year in that they missed Jake Stevens for almost the whole season. Um, averaged 22 points in 10 boards a game when he did play last year. And when he came back healthy in that SOCON conference tournament, that was a completely different team. It would have been four teams up at the top of that conference if they had Stevens healthy all year long. I mean, they were right up there with Furman, Greensboro, and Sanford in talent with him healthy. But just bringing back their fourth and eighth leading scorers from the rotation. Demetrius Davis, the most notable, averaged eight last year. Sam Alexis averaged five. Randy Brady averaged four. Those are the only guys in the rotation back. They do add a double figure guy out of VMI in a couple that were near it at seven, eight points a game from Pepperdine and from the Citadel. Two of those guys obviously familiar with SOCON competition. Tyler Millen averaged four points a game last year at Middle Tennessee. But other than that, it will have to be freshman. I think Dan Earl's going to have a tough second season at Chattanooga. Definitely not inside that top four. And I've got this team at seventh. Boy, would he love to have Jake Stevens back. Mercer, I have at eighth. Went 6-12 and 12 in this conference last year. I got to see him two separate times. Once failed to score above 50. The other time failed to score above 60. And they lose a ton of production. Their second, third, and fourth leading scorers. Four of their top six, all gone. But Jalen McCreary inside is their biggest returner at 15 points a game. Adam Mississippi Valley State transfer and Caleb Hunter that averaged 14 last year. Add a guy at, from Notre Dame that just could never stay healthy would be a game changer if he could. For Mercer in Robbie Carmody, Alex Holt is in at a high point but just played 10 minutes a game. And then a seven foot two center that just played five minutes a game at Kansas City is also in. Mercer does like to get the very big bigs. We'll see if he can play more, more minutes for them. But outside of McCreary and Hunter, I don't have a lot of hope for this Mercer roster. At number nine, I have the Citadel, who went 5-13 and 13 in this conference a year ago. They lose to 15-plus point-of-game guys in Austin Ash and in Stephen Clark. The only double-figure guy on this roster didn't average double figures last year at the Citadel. He did it at an even worse team than the Citadel, 1-17 in conference play in the Big South Presbyterian. It's Winston Hill, was a 43% shooter, did average over 10 points a game in just 20 minutes a game. Citadel will need him to produce in a big way. They do bring in a Vanderbilt transfer that played 18 and a half minutes a game last year, 6'10 forward, 
Quentin Melora Brown averaged about three and a half points over four rebounds. At 6'7 and 6'10, Hill and Melora Brown will have to control the inside for this team and perhaps lead this team in scoring for them to be successful at all. And then number 10, I have VMI, who lost everyone in their eight-man rotation, but their sixth and their seventh leading scorers. They didn't bring in any transfers. It's just freshmen to replace those guys. And no one averaged more than six points a game a season ago in Division One on this team. They will be incredibly young and not very good because of that in my eyes. Andrew Wilson now in his second season. I was long-witted with this conference. It's because I love it. So much up at the top. Furman and Sanford neck and neck, but right now I give the edge to Furman. Just barely a tier below him, but still very much in the hunt. Western Carolina and UNC Greensboro. SOCON, my favorite small major conference, and it will be my favorite again this season.